This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. Good morning, church. How are you all doing? Welcome to church this morning. I need you to slap a big smile on your face. Slap it, just slap it. Very good. Slap a big smile on your face. Look to your neighbor. Say, how are you doing? How was your week? How is this morning? Okay. So today we are, when I was thinking of a topic this morning, you know, I was, you know me, I told you last time I, um, I came, I, I ministered on Sunday. I said I like to use um, catchy phrases. And the reason why I do that is so that you don't preach my message for me. Because there's a way, especially, um, how many of us here have been born again more than five years? Aha. So especially people who have, you know, been born again for long. The longer, you, the longer you've been born again, and if you've been... Frequent church go, go out. You might you might feel sometimes that you have listened to all the messages possible. You have there's no like, there's no more you want to have gone through the different sides of it, from the ones that they preach during Easter, the birth, burial, burial and resurrection, to the Christmas one, the birth of Christ. Then um, Holy Spirit would have gone through that one. Then um, how to be a good Christian? You have gone through that one. Then Old Testament um, um, principles and lessons, you've gone through that one. Then Genesis, you must read Genesis. Then relationship, you've gone through relationship. <laughs> then which one am I missing? Um, giving, you've gone through that one. Mm-hmm. Faith. So there's a way you can, if you've been going to church for long, and the way people are responding shows that you know what I'm talking about. There's a way that you can, uh, you know, be preaching people's messages for them. So... The original topic that I told Peace and I wanted to um, name this topic today. Do you want to hear it? Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, hold your back. <laughs> I've even forgotten it, but I think it was something around um, um, breakfast. Uh, how did I ever put it again? Let me go and look for it. Better title like that, but we'll just say that let's just be coming down. So it's not be as if. All the time we're overdoing it. Uh-huh. Jotty Yates, are, are you ready? Breakfast, spiritual life on the menu. Hallelujah. Praise God. You like it, Abby? Breakfast, spiritual life on the menu. Everybody shop breakfast. So I was, I was, but you know, I just said, okay, let me just, let me just send, say what God sent me to Kukuse before I will, you know. Overdo it and find myself somewhere else. Um, but please don't listen, don't preach my message for me. Open your heart. Uh, um, even before Peace Sam told me that I was taking service today, it was something that God had raised laying on my heart. Um, that um, I didn't even know if it was going to be okay. I think I knew it was going to be a message. So when he said, I just smiled. I said, I think I know what God will have me say this morning. So this is something for you in this buffet that I'm going to be. This breakfast buffet I'm going to be delivering for you this morning. There's plenty you can eat. It's not Gary like the buffet piece I was talking about last week. 
I don't do I don't do such. I come with intercontinental menu. Nigeria is there. Um UK breakfast, American. So just said to open your heart. All right, and receive from God this morning. And just like I said, if you be going to church, what I'm about to do won't be strange to you. Before I start, I would like to give honor to whom honor is due. I would like to thank our papa, our daddy Gio, for giving me this privilege. <laughs> for giving me this privilege to, you know, minister to um, the church this morning. Church, can you help me appreciate our daddy in the Lord? Thank you, sir. I don't take it for granted. <laughs> Right, uh, but yeah, um, joke aside, is a privilege so that we don't get used to, you know. We don't, we don't, we don't take things for granted. All right. So, let me start this morning because for some reason I always feel like if I read what I'm reading, I always feel like I could do something I can finish in twenty minutes. But before you know it, now ten thirty will meet me here. So let me start. The earlier I start, the better. All right. Um, When we think about attacks of the enemy, right? If I tell you, if I think of attacks of the enemy, and I told you to list some of them, the ones you most likely list are the obvious one: attacks of the enemy, persecution, right? Trials, tribulation, you know, those are the obvious ones. But there's one more that I want to list that is um, elusive, that sometimes we might not, it's called distraction. And apathy. And we will think, because, you know, it's just like if somebody were to, um, if somebody was trying to kill you, if the person brings gun like this to you, you know that the person is coming for you. It's, you can see it is an obvious attack. Or if somebody was trying to kill you, and next thing they bring trailer, and they are not stopping, and they are just driving where you are, you know that that person is coming for you. But if somebody was trying to kill you, and then the person, maybe, no, see, let me now, let me warn you people. I watch, I like watching film. So there are many examples I'll be giving that will sound like action movie. Follow me. John, who here doesn't like watching movies? No, say the truth, it's okay. So that we know how I'll act it for you. Is there anybody here that likes watching film? How many of you here have watched Avengers? Ha! Huh. I will take you to watch it. I will show you. Come to the house after I will. So how many, let me see who else. How many of us here have watched Avengers? It did my message. You will hear Avengers this morning. So just follow me, okay? Right? Um, so yeah, if somebody was trying to kill you, but if someone's trying to kill you, if I, or well, let me say, if your enemy is not me, church goers, you know what I just did right now. <laughs> right? If your enemy was trying to kill you, and I sprayed one small perfume here, you put it to watch action film. I'll just be one perfume. I've taken the antidote. Right? And I come to you and I hug you and all of that. And the kind of perfume is not the type that will kill you in one day. It will take one year. Right? Those type of attacks are, are things that might not be obvious to us, that we might not know. So if I say, if I come and tell you that, ah, it's like somebody is trying to kill you, beyond defense, your eye will be, you'll be sharp. Right? And what you'll be looking at is, if any small trailer like this come for me, I'll just quickly swerve. If I see anybody with gun like this, I would have one bulletproof. If I see anybody with knife, I'll carry. Do you understand? So you're kind of prepared for some of all those things. But if what I was going to come to you at was like some kind of slow poison. In fact, if I now put it, let's say you like cake a lot. 
and I decide to put it inside the cake. And every morning, I'm like, don't worry, I'll be giving you breakfast. I'll take care of your breakfast every morning. Every morning, whatever you want, just let me know. I'll bring coffee. And I just put slow poison there for you. Those are things that you even willingly collect from my hand. And sometimes we even be asking me, ah, where's the one for tomorrow? Without knowing that I have put something in it to kill you. That's how I see distraction and apathy. That's how I see it. Right? So follow me. Just hold that in one pocket. Now, in Lagos of today, I know there are people that are not in Lagos that are listening. And in the world of today, generally, right? I think that being a Christian is harder. And it's not because of um, persecution and trials and tribulation. Now, I'm not in any way reducing. Some of us here can't even think about going through some kind of stuff that some Christians are going through where they are. I'm not, so I'm not trying to downplay it. But I'm saying for people that are staying in places that have um, relative peace, that are relatively peaceful, um, being a Christian is harder. And it's not even because of persecution, right? Again, it's because of this issue I call distraction. Do you know that if you were even being persecuted, there's a funny um, phenomenon about persecution and making people martyrs and things like that. There's a way the thing gingers people. In a funny way. In a funny way, if you know that there's an attacker that is coming at you and we are a community together, there's a way it can make us band together stronger because we know who our obvious attacker is. And there's a way the thing can fuel some kind of um, passion in us. Right? So being a Christian is harder because of distraction. There are some people who will never turn their heart to God because they are in the rat race. And by rat race, you know what I'm talking about. Like, really think about it. I'm a small girl. I go to primary school. I go to secondary school. I go to university. When I come back from university, I start working. Um, if I want, I fall in love. And I get married. And I have my own kids. Then I continue working. Then maybe I'll look for one. Um, I might start a business venture or a social venture, and hey, you just, before you know it, and then you're 70, and then you die. There's a, and the funny thing is that the world is not in any way lacking in its arsenal of distractions. Before you know, and it's, it's like, it's, there's always one small <coughs> dose of the next thing that you're working towards. When you were in secondary school, you were just trying to pass your YA, Past Jambaneta school. That was all that was on your heart. Before you knew it, when you were in school, you were just trying to finish. If only I can't wait to start finishing and earning money. <laughs> if only you knew. You now finish school. <laughs> Especially in Nigeria, the labor market would be like, hello, how you doing? <laughs> and then you're now trying to focus on that one, looking for a job, looking for this, looking for that. You get your first job. Next thing, oh my God, I need to save money. I need to make money. I want to buy my first car. <laughs> There's always something. And that thing is very, it's overwhelming. There are people who will never have the time to turn to God because they are not lacking in distraction. Like when they are done going to work, when they are done, when they've come back from the office and they are tired, as they finish that one, they are facing Wahala at home. When they are done facing Wahala at home, they are facing relationship breakfast. When they are done facing relationship breakfast, they are facing, so there's never... And that thing has a tendency to consume 
your time. And there are people who, they will just never see the reason from turning to God. Now, let me even flip it. There are some that, in, in fact, as they are doing all of all these things, they are getting um, some form of reward. So they are making money. They are good. Like, they've hustled enough, so they've made enough money. Now they are able to afford to, you know, go to Santorini. It's like... So, and they are, in, and they are not lacking in the enjoyment. For every new enjoyment, when they finish that one, there's another one. So there's, a, there's, some, there's some kind of balance of challenges and enjoyment enough to kind of balance the dopamine they feel on a day to day. So they just they are just cruising. And they will never need a reason to turn to God. Just just keep that in your pocket somewhere. Now if you remember the last time I um preached where we spoke about um um the power of God unto salvation. And I was trying to explain about the power of God. There was something I said <clears throat> that reality will eat your so let me rephrase it today. Reality will eat your supernatural experiences for breakfast. What that means is, again, for those of us who have been Christian for a long time, has there ever been a time where maybe you either went for a meeting or in some kind of intense, let's say you, went, you did some kind of prayer and fast, and you had some kind of encounter with God? Who has had that kind of, I mean, of or you went for one meeting that the power of God, like, or you've had an experience where, you're at a very low moment, and then somebody said something to you that was 101% accurate. How many of us had that kind of... How many of us sometimes think of our spiritual life and remember a time when you were like, ah, I was fervent for God? How many of us remember that kind of thing? You have that kind of... See, reality will eat your supernatural experiences for breakfast. Follow me. What that means is sometimes when some of us think of our work with God, there's some part of us that is just like, ah, if only I can get back to that time when I, then I really love God. Ah! I was such a powerful Christian. You come to me like this, and small, touch the hem of my garment. Ah. And sometimes when you're thinking of how you want your work with God to be, you remember those particular instances. That, ah, if I could just go through that. Some people have had visions where they actually saw Jesus. Some people have had visions where they saw where God showed them some things in the future. So, and it was like, let's say, a particular time in their life or some kind of encounter. And what I mean by um, reality, we eat your singular experience for breakfast, is this. If you remember, after such an encounter that you've had or something like that, how many of you remember that then you felt that the love I have for this Jesus Nothing can ever separate me, God. I will never. Hey, how many of us have had that kind of? That you wrote it. Thank you. You should go and open your old journals and surprise yourself. After after you went for such a such and such a meeting. Oh God, you cried. Hey, maybe you're even one of those dramatic people that we are screaming from the back. <laughs> Jesus. You just separate the chair, separate the chair. And after you got up, you wrote it down. That's all my life. Oh, Jesus. And you wrote all of all those things that these are things I will never, you know, I will never go back on God. I will never. How many of us remember that? Or let's say you went for an encounter where, let's say you, you were the one now. You went for um, 
for those of us who have done NYC and did not redeploy like I did. You did rural, how many of you did rural rugged? Uh -huh. I hear a lot of, of things around about rural rugged where I've heard so many stories where they will go into the village and they, will, they say it hasn't rained in one year. They will now come together, they will pray and then rain will fall. Did you have any, of exp any experience like that in your rural? <laughs> and then when you finish things like that, you'll be like, this is Jesus. I go follow you. And aside that, your spiritual life or how you felt um, in tune with God at that particular point in time felt so, if I could put it in terms, if I could put some kind of measure to it, it felt like here. But now you look at yourself and something is telling you, you feel that you know that how you felt then. Because I don't, I don't need you discounting how you felt then. Just follow me. If you compare how you felt then and how you feel now, Use your hand and show me. Show me how is it like this? Or then you felt like this, and now you feel like this. Or is still the same? Or is it lower? Is oh, is used to uh, some people are used to <laughs> used to <laughs> it goes up and down like this. Okay, okay, that one saved day. Some people zone is like this. Or some is like this. <laughs> how many of you say, oh yeah, I want to touch some people. Oh, you crypto people. <laughs> you see how the graph has been. Some people that's how. You know, take out, take out. The Lord will, ah. Pastor preached when bad things happened. Before uh, crypto crashed, Abby, go and listen to that message. You'll be encouraged. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit encourage you. But if you, if you measure both experiences, I'm saying how you feel now, or let me say in the last week, or in the last month, how you feel versus how you felt at that particular time in your spiritual, that you had some kind of spiritual encounter. You can see that. And that's because reality and by reality, I, the, way, the best way I can explain it is the constant, the, the force of consistency of your day-to-day -day living has, has the ability to wear those things out. Some of you might cannot even remember how intense it felt now. You might have written it down. Maybe you should go back and read your journal to kick some things. But the constant day-to-day -day grind has the ability to just wear it out. Geologists will tell you that if you use water, if you pour water on a rock, of course, if the water and the rock, quote and unquote, we're, about, we're supposed to fight, and you pour the water on the rock, the rock will win. The water can't do anything to the, to the rock. But there are places where they will show you that years and years of the water constantly hitting the rock at the particular, at the same position, has a way of wearing it out. So that's what I mean by reality. The consistency of your day-to-day, -day, it will chop it for breakfast. That's why you see some people that... Not only, it's not that they were just fervent for God. They were the ones, they were the workers of miracles themselves. And you look at them today and then they're somewhere else. Reality will always do that to you. Okay? I'm still opening you. Just hold that in your pocket. So now that we understand all these things I've said, we have spoken about um, persecution versus distraction, supernatural, versus reality. This is why, um, more than ever, any Christian, in any Christian in this world today, like I said, using the example of places like Lagos and in a world where you know you are in some kind of day-to-day -day grind. And see, don't be an escapist. What an escapist is, there were some Christians, I don't know, peace I know the exact date and time. But in fact, you still have some of them like that. There are some Christians that believed in that 
after they've given their life to Jesus Christ, this world is not my home. I shall not. They just pack their life, sell their this thing, and they've gone to go and camp somewhere. And they say that they are waiting for Jesus. That's not the answer to this. Because what those people do is that they have, they don't even want to smell any, this world, they don't want to smell any, they, don't, they hold no worldly possessions, no nothing. They don't, all they know is that they are shall waiting for, for Jesus. They are waiting to go to heaven or for Jesus to come and carry them. Right? That's another extreme. And I'm not saying that that's the solution. But, when we understand how powerful the consistency of the day-to-day grind is on our spiritual lives, when we understand the potency that can be the attack of the enemy called distraction and apathy, and I'm calling it an attack of the enemy because I, I believe that it is actually an attack, right? In addition to all the things that I said, trials and tribulations and things like that, that is an, and I'll tell you why. When we take all these things um, into consideration, that's why those, those were the things that um, I believe inspired this message this morning. So I'm just starting. Okay. So I'm just starting this message. Are we ready? Okay, so we're going to be um, reading some scriptures, right? Um, I always say that sometimes, maybe one Bible study that we take, we'll just sit down. I've said this thing so many times, and I know I'm going to do it. We'll just sit down and read scriptures. The reason why is because, if it, especially the epistles, when you really think about it, the epistles were sermons that they just transcribed that we are now reading, right? So sometimes it's just good to just sit down and read it. That, that's, the title of my message is this, and I'll just read from the beginning of Jude to the end of Jude. Okay, the title of that message is Contending for the Gospel, and then I'll read it. And when we finish, that's the end of the message, go home. But, so we're going to be reading a lot of scriptures today, right? Um, but let's start like this. So when I say spiritual things, um, spiritual exercises, valuing spiritual exercises, by spiritual exercises, what do I mean? And P. Madge, being a man of the Spirit, defined it powerfully for me um, on Wednesday. How many of us were here on Wednesday service? After this message, by the grace of God, you will not miss Wednesday service again. Say amen. Amen. So a good way that I can capture what I mean by spiritual exercise is anything that will awaken you as a believer. Those of us on Wednesday will understand what I mean by awaken you. Anything that will awaken you as a believer, right? That's what I mean by spiritual exercises. Another way that Peace Ahmad defined this was having your senses exercised to the voice of God. Any exercise that has your senses um, um, exercised to the voice of God, those are the things I mean by spiritual exercise. Any exercise that will awaken you to believe, anything that will inevitably strengthen your faith, right? So I mean things like studying God's word, pressing and fellowship in prayer, you know, acknowledging God in worship, deliberately thinking on the things of God. That's another very powerful one. Because we don't only live in our reality here. As in what I, we don't only live in our physical world, online world. We also live in our minds. Do you people know that? You actually also live in your minds. You might not know, but you spend a lot of time thinking about things. That's what I mean by living in your minds as well. So as much as you're interacting with me, you're interacting with people, you're also interacting with somebody with yourself, I don't even want to start going metaphysical, but you also live in your mind. So deliberately also thinking on um, the things of God in your mind. That's what I mean by spiritual exercise. Conducting yourself the way God says to, and all of that, okay? 
those are the things I mean by spiritual exercises, right? And um, again, taking from where P. Madge spoke about on Wednesday, when he was explaining what happened to us in salvation and um, receiving the Spirit, and was explaining how most times what we just need to do is awaken ourselves to what we have in Christ. Please go and get that message. I don't, I, I don't want to be tempted to start with preaching it and all of that. Um, I want to also tie it to something else that we've heard before in this house, which is really about our identity as a believer. Okay? Most times when we think of your identity as a believer, if I ask you, what's your identity or who are you as a believer? The first thing you think about is, um, um, I'm saved by faith. Or you see, I'm seated with Christ. You know, I'm Christian. I have the life of God in me. Those are the things that we think about when we begin to talk about identity. But there's another, there's another angle to identity. Your identity is not just who you are, but it's what you do as a result of who you are. In fact, I can almost say that if what you do does not match who you are saying you are, I would rather take what you do as a pointer to who you are. So let me put it this way. If you say you are, what example do I use now? What is this offended word of today? If you say you are a, let me see, let's say if you say you are a, there's only one example come to my mind and I'm just going to use it. Ah, no, let me not use it, it's too polarizing. I wanted to say if you say you are a boy. But that's not good yet. <laughs> but let's say, um, if you see um, an animal that says that, and they tell you it's a cat, and the animal does, hur, hur, hur. and then the animal, have you seen how dogs are when they are trying to, that they will be drilling from their teeth and they're doing like that. And then you see it digging the ground the way dogs dig the ground, right? And you see it wagging its tail the way dogs wag its tail. And they show you another one that they say is a cat. No, it's a dog. And you see the thing licking its furs, purring, you know, doing like an ajay. General, I don't like cats, don't mind me. But cats are no witches, please. Right, but you see it doing like that. But then, when you ask the one that is purring and doing like that, and you say, what are you saying? I'm a dog. And you ask the other one that is barking and digging the ground, and you say, what are you? You say, I'm a cat. What will you say? The one that says is a cat, will you, will you believe is a cat? The one that said is a dog, will you believe is a dog? So when we speak of identity, and I'm talking now broadly, and I'll use other examples. When we speak of identity, identity is not just who slash what you say you are. It's what you do as a result. Now let's, let, me, let me now use human beings. If she says, and I don't want to use human beings because... The example I wanted to use now is already doing basketballs in my head, but I'm, I'm going to use that. If um, Rosalind says she's Chinese, no, this one I'll use. If Jojo says she's Chinese, right, and um, you see her all her life, right, she's Chinese, oh, but her best food is a goosey. Um, she doesn't even speak Mandarin or any language in that region. Um, she looks the way she looks. Uh, 
for example, she dresses the way she dresses, right? Um, she can understand all your innuendos as Nigerians waiting up and all those, all those things, right? Her best songs are um, Biskid. And do you understand? And you say, oh, oh um, what culture are you from? Where are you? What's your culture? She says, oh, I'm Chinese. Like, eh, okay. And then, let me now even top it all off. Let's say she has even never lived in China before. Now say, okay. Uh, <laughs> this one, she has never, you can't even write. So she looks like a Nigerian. She talks like a Nigerian. She acts like a Nigerian. She smells like a Nigerian. But you ask her, who are you? She says she's Chinese, right? Your identity and what you do as a result of that identity, they are layered on each other. Let me bring it home. Faith is works. Follow me. Faith is works. That's something you need to understand as a believer. You cannot say you are a believer and you don't smell like a believer. You don't act like a believer. You don't think like a believer, but I'm a believer. How many of us know the origin of the word, of the phrase Christians? Christian, the word Christian. We know Christ. Christian. Christian started because they saw some people, they look like Jesus. They're acting like Jesus. They're talking like Jesus. These are Christians. Faith is what works. If you believe what you say you believe, you will act a certain way. Let me now bring it to you. And I'm coming to this example that I've been avoiding. If you believe you are a girl, will you act like a cat? If, if you, and I'm saying, apply it to yourself now. If you believe what you believe you are, let's even, let me even use your jobs as a form of identity. If you believe you are a um, digital, no, let me use, you are a videographer. And every, every day, and I see what are you doing every day, let's say every day you are, in the, you are doing, graphic design is even close. Let's say every day you are in the hospital treating patients and doing surgery. But in your heart, you believe that you are a videographer. And the last one year, you've not done videography. So that thing that you believe in, what is it? Do you understand? Faith is works. Let me take it back. When you believe something, when you truly believe something, there is no way. It's unconsciously and consciously you will find yourself acting that thing. That's what I mean by faith is works. You cannot believe and say you believe in God only in your head. If, let's, go to, let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews 11. Um, Hebrews 11, 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If you now look at all the other stories that they gave in, that, in Hebrews 11, right, you will see that everybody that believed God did not just believe God and sit down in one place. Their belief in God and that, he was a, and that he's a rewarder of those that seek him. Do you know what he did to them? He made them seek him. That was, that's the true test of the fact that they believed what they were saying. They sat down somewhere and were like, there is a God. There is a God. 
There is a God. I need to seek him. And they went out. Faith is works. That's what I mean. Thank you, pastor. That's what I mean by faith is works. They believe that there is a God. If you truly believe that there is a God, you're going to act in a certain way, whether you like it or not. For me, that's a true test of a believer. If you truly believe that there is a God and he's a rewarder of those that seek him, ah, and I see you not behaving in a certain way, then it's one of the things I will now ask you that this God that you believe that there is, please let me describe him for me. If he now looks like uh, Orisha or Thor, then I'll know, okay, that's why you're behaving the way you're behaving. But if you believe that there is a God, the maximally great being, and someone, and he's going to reward you diligently seeking him, that's why Jesus will say that the kingdom of heaven is like, you will sell all your property to go and acquire that great treasure. There's a certain way that people who believe what they believe in act. Do you understand? I remember the example that I used the last time was, there was full scarcity then, right? And um, let me put it this way. If, if I told you that, uh, let's say there's full scarcity, and I told you, oh, and you needed full, right? You, 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 you need to do things at home. All your devices are dead. Everything is down and all of that. And you really need fuel. And I told you, ah, there's fuel at the Fort Oil at this junction. And you really needed fuel. If I told you that, what will you do? You move. You move. That's because you believe me. What if I told you that there's fuel at Fort Oil? And you're like, okay. And you sit down. And none of your devices are working. You don't have any, you have to get work done and you sit down, then there's a problem. Is it that you think I'm lying? Or you really don't believe that there's fuel at photo oil? But if you believe that there's fuel at photo oil, and you are in need of, you need to get your generator on, what will you do? If you, if, even if you don't have barrel, what will you do? You will go and look for it somewhere. Find your way there. If you don't see Okada, what will you first start doing? You first start using your leg. On the way, you will find... That's how people who believe a certain thing behave. So allow me, please, permit me to judge people by what they do and not what they say. Because faith is works. Okay? Let's continue. And so that's the thing about identity. When you know who you are, and if you actually really believe who you are, you're going to act in a certain way, whether you like it or not. Such that if I see you acting in a certain way, I can um, allow me to infer that this is this. So if as a believer, I see you acting a certain way and doing things, um, it's not that. And even, they said we should judge all spirits. Not say it in your Bible. And so allow me, if I see somebody acting a certain way, allow me to be able to say, do you really believe in God? Like, I don't know, Sha. Or what kind of God you believe in? Ask those two questions when you see people acting a certain way, right? So, now that we understand that, this, this, this is one of the major reasons why you need to value spiritual exercise. Because you are a believer. And these are what believers do. These are what believers do. And we're still going to, we're, we're going to now go deep into it. And I'm going to give you other reasons why believers do these things. But as a Christian, these are the things that you do. You need to understand that, yes, the reality, I'm a Nigerian, I'm living in 
this uh, is not a hell hole in Jesus' name. But I'm sure living here. I'm a Nigerian, I'm a girl, I'm a mom, I'm this. But if I understand also that I'm a Christian, and I understand that this world, either it ends before I end, or I end before it ends. Either way, there's an end. I have an understanding there. And I understand that there's a maker that I am going to. And I understand that there's someone who died for me. And I really am convicted of it. There's something he's going to do to me. And we're going to read a psalm, and you'll see why I love that guy called David. Because he also acted like he believed in something. Okay? So, aside these very chief reasons, there are other reasons that I want us to look at as to why you should act in a certain way as a believer. Okay? Number one, knowing what we are and knowing where we are coming from. What I mean by where we are coming from, how we go here, right? We're in the flesh, then we heard the message of Christ. And we believed unto our salvation. Um, why do we still need to keep doing these spiritual exercises? But I believed now. I already believe in Jesus, and I be, actually believe. No, it's not. It's beyond. I actually believe. See, one of the one of the first reasons I'm giving on, on as to why we actually need to keep doing these spiritual exercises. And remember the things I defined as spiritual exercises. Give me an example of some things I defined. Remember. fellowshippings, anything that just awakens you, okay, right? Um, this is actually the way to stop exhibiting the flesh. See, and I'm saying this particularly to people who have things that they are struggling with um, in the flesh. Let me not sound like someone that, let me, when I mean things that you're struggling with in the flesh, you're struggling with sin. And again, using the same um, principles of how attack of the enemy is not just the obvious one. It's also the subtle one. Acts of the flesh, it's not just the obvious one. It's also the subtle one. Let me give you some example. Envy. I can never see it on your face when you are doing it. Do you understand? Um, um, bitterness. Hatred. There are some small things that you will never see. You will be nice outside, but there are ways that you are acting carnal in your heart. One of the ways to actually stop these things is this spiritual exercise. I want to say a scripture, and I, I want you guys to finish it for me. Walk in the spirit. That's the only way. You cannot have, and I heard this, this was one of the first things I heard, I remember, I think as a teenager, that really helped me. If you are, try, if you are struggling with something, you are trying to get yourself to stop doing that thing. You cannot continue waking up and say, I'll stop. I'll flog yourself, I'll stop. In this world, by this what I mean, as believers on this side for us, the way you deal with things like that is to actually walk in the spirit. That's the provision that God has made for you. Okay? So when you walk in the spirit, you don't feel the lust of the flesh. Uh, can someone open Galatians 5, 16 for me? And the major reason why, let's read Galatians 5 first. Yes, please. Galatians 5.16. Okay. Um, continue to 19. 
whatever to do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And it goes on and on and on and on. And then let me jump to 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and all of that. When I say walk in the Spirit, start walking with God in such a way that you display all these things. If you display actually the fruit of the Spirit, you will find that you are not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Should we check it? Let's go through each one. From verse 22. What's the first one? Love. What's the second one? Joy. What's the next one? Peace. What's the next one? Forbearance. Um, who can give me another translation? Long-suffering. Okay. What's the next one? Kindness. What's the next one? Goodness. Good girl. What's the next one? Faithfulness. What's the next one? Gentleness. Next one? Self-control. If you find yourselves walking in this thing, if you go up and look at the other things that he listed as the works of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, if you were walking and displaying the fruit of the Spirit, do you think those things will have space for you? So that's actually the logic. See, anything the Bible tells you, and let me give you, let me just tell you something. It's safe to first do it, and then in your belief and understanding the why, catch up. But trust me, biblical instruction is good to first obey it. Because it will always work together for your good. So when the Bible says walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, by the time you start displaying the things that, um, the fruits of the spirit, there will be no space for lust of the flesh. There will be no ah, this is me, man, but you want to display both the spirits, fruits of the spirit, it's not possible. It's not possible. So walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Number two, peace, dear, dear. Say after me, peace, dear, dear. Peace, dear, dear. Can someone open Galatians? Sorry, Romans 8, verse 6. Romans 8, verse 6. Please, there is death in carnality. There is death there. Like, there's nothing. Like, there's, there's, there's. It can, it can, again, like I used, it's slow poison. It can look like, Oh, um, everything is fantastic. I'm having the time of my life. I'm this, I'm that. But there's actually death in carnality. That's what you people need to realize. Who is in Romans 8 verse 6? Okay, please read it. Ah, no wonder. Ah. I was confused. You have to tell me that's message version because I, I was just, uh, I had to start, <laughs> please somebody else, <laughs> Romans 8 verse 6. Let me see another translation. Okay. Mind governed by the flesh is death. For the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Do you remember when I said that you also live in your mind? Do you remember I said that? You also live in your mind. And this is again, the Bible telling you that, see, a mind that is governed by the flesh, by the fruit of the flesh, is death. A mind that is governed by the spirit is life and peace. Peace is dear. Tell your neighbor, peace dear, dear. That's why you need to do spiritual things. Like, that's why you need to keep awakening yourself to these things. There's peace there. Don't ever look at anybody. See, let me ask you a question. Hmm? You now, 
And as I'm asking this question, take it for yourself. You understand what you go through in life, don't you? You know what you are going through. You understood times where you've gone through difficult things. You know that. If somebody were to come to you at that time or even now, because I, I, I don't know what you are going through right now. But if somebody were to come to you and be like, oh my God, you look like your life is perfect and you have it all together. What would you be thinking to yourself? If only you knew. Ah, in the same way, don't ever look at anybody and think that they have it all together. Don't ever look at people living in the world and think that they are good. Don't ever look at things like that. Don't stop it. If you yourself know that there are people that see you and they are like, oh, you look fantastic, and in your mind, I'm like, oh, you look fantastic. You know what you are going through. In the same way, then don't do that to others. Let's take what scripture says. Take it from me too. As from scripture, in fact, follow me as I follow Christ. There is peace there. As far as the flesh is concerned, all you are going to find there is death. It might not look at it at first, but that's the only logical end to it. That's the illogical end to it. That's the only end. That's, that's where it's going to end up. Don't even bother. Don't use your life and experience it to test this biko. To tell your neighbor, peace stay there. Okay. Very important. First Peter 5, 8. Uh, can somebody else open um, Ephesians 6, 11? Please, in First Peter 5, 8. Now, the first thing I started, I started talking about was trying to explain um, attack um, on the enemy, by the enemy on the believer. And I want to further break down that for you to see something. Is anybody in First Peter 5, 8? Yes, please. Okay. Okay. Ephesians six eleven. Yeah. That you may be able to that you may be able to stand against the walls of the devil. So if I were to take the two of them, the enemy is moving around like a roaring lion, looking for who to devour. And then Ephesians 6, 11 tells us that we should put on a stand, that we may be able to stand the wiles of the devil. See, let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. The, the enemy is very, very active in his advance towards believers. That's something that most times we don't understand. We go about on our day-to-day, just going from end to just going from life. You know, life is just happening and everything. Without understanding that you get enemy way you have, that is very intentional, about doing something to you. And let me tell you what the enemy is trying to do. Kill, steal, and destroy. Anything that will take you away from the life that God wants you to have, that's what the enemy is doing to you. And he's very active about it. Let me give you another one now. And this one, I'm not yet, I'm, I'm, I'm an aspiring theologian. I've not yet reached some level. So, these are just my thoughts. See, if all you needed to do was just to believe in God and be born again, and that's it, and hear me out, right? Then, once you get born again, why should the devil spend his energy on you? If that was all you needed. Because once you've gotten born again, 
are a quote and unquote lost cause to the devil. So why is the devil bothering with you? But do we see the devil still attacking believers? Why? The plan of the enemy is to get you away from God. Whether on this side of the divide or on the other side of the divide, he has just one plan. Get this girl away from God. That's the only plan the enemy has. And as believers, you cannot sleep. Because the person that is trying to get you away from God, he's not sleeping in his own uh, plans that he has. So you have somebody actively plotting how to, and I'm not saying this to even magnify, I don't need anybody sleeping here, thinking that, oh, the devil, mm -mm -mm, we'll get there. That's not what I mean. But I just need you to awaken to some things. That it's, because there's, there's a subtle mindset that can come with believing, oh, I'm settled in God. And I'm not saying it's not good to believe that you're settled in God. But what I mean, let me just say what I'm saying. There's a subtle mindset that can creep up on you when you take your eternal um, salvation, eternal security to heart. That ah, nothing, can, nothing can separate me from the love of God. There's a subtle mindset that can creep up on people like that. They can just discard spiritual things. Because I'm already seated in heaven places. I don't need to do anything. But the enemy is going like a prowling lion. Looking for who to devour. In Ephesians 6, we can see it clearly telling believers that don't be ignorant. Stand. There are, there are attacks of the devil. And that attack to steal, to kill, and to destroy is to just get away from God. Whether on this side or on the, on the other side. And there's an implication to it. That getting away from God, from, the, from, the, um, from Genesis 1, from the Garden of Eden, when we say the, what happened at the Garden of Eden, we know that man was separated. And that was where sin started. So in the same way, we know that the enemy is just trying to get you to sin. Because sin in itself and as a practice, what sin does, it just gets believers away from God. He needs to separate you from the pack so that I can finish you. So every attack on the enemy is to just... And the reason why I'm going, now, going through sin is because that's where it starts from. Getting you to repeatedly do some particular things. Before you know it, you just find yourself... And when I say find yourself here, I'm not saying that you can ever... No matter where you are, God is with you. But in your heart, in your practice... When you find yourself far away from what God will have you, there's an, there's an effect that it has on you as a believer. You begin to suffer needlessly. Because we know that the spiritual mind is peace. You begin to lack peace. Do you understand? Those are part of the implications of being far away. So that's what the devil is just doing, trying to get you far, farther and farther and farther. So can you see now why I say that distractions is actually an attack? Because you will just go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, before you know it, another Monday. What's, what month are we? We're in the fifth month of the year. How many of you remember when we were shouting Happy New Year? See, eh? what the enemy wants is that before you know it, you reach fifth year, and fifth month, and in the fifth month, between the first and the fifth, you've only read your Bible two times. Now, I'm not saying that there's a requirement of ticking number of Bibles, number of times you read your Bible before you enter heaven. No. 
But what I'm saying is that before you know it, you just find out that you've been distracted or you've been living your life in such a way that you've gotten to 5th of May. 5th! This is the 5th month in the year. And you just find out that in the last 5 months, when you just think of the things that believers do as a result of their identity, the spiritual exercises that they do, you just find out that I've only read my Bible twice. What have you been doing? Let me tell you what you've been doing. You've been working. When you finish work, you're on social media. And because you are not, you are not unconscious. You do not have a, what's it called? You do not have a, you are not in a coma. And to prove to you that you are not in a coma, if I ask you what are the happening news that has happened in the last five months, you can tell me that in January they dragged Pisam. In February they did this. In March, you can tell me all the happening news. So you are alive and awake. But you are alive and awake to something else. You just find out that in five months, I've not read my Bible. Like, I'm, like even this online church thing, some people, they'll just find that in five months, I say I'm going to be attending online church, but I've actually only really followed two services. Hey. Distraction. So you can see. And that's the, the worst part of it is that it creeps up on you. It's not obvious, like I said. Because if they told you that there are some people coming from the junction that are coming to burn down the church as this thing, just like in Acts, we'll come together, we'll pray. They've arrested Pisam because they're always tweeting about Jesus. They've, we'll now come together as a church. You know, it's easy for, for you to come and band together against those kind of obvious. But this one I'm talking about, you won't even know that you are floating somewhere. Except when you come to the service that Pastor Aisha is preaching. And she reminds you that in the last five months. Okay. You are welcome. So whether now or in eternity, there is actually a consequence for sin. So as a believer, you cannot remain in sin. So you can say everything is tied together. And how I know that you are remaining in sin is because the way not to remain in sin is to walk in the spirit. So if you are not walking in spirit by doing spiritual exercise, do you understand? And so remaining in sin is going to keep doing what is going to keep taking you farther and farther away. And I'm, another thing I'm adding to this is where you, how you found yourself where you are. Don't for one second think that it was just there. I'm trying to tell you that that is also an attack of the enemy and you need to be mindful of it. Do you understand? Okay. Let me tell you another reason why this thing is important. Romans 12 verse 2. I'm going to read this one myself. How many of us remember the service where pastor preached about presenting your body as a living sacrifice and not conforming to this world? Uh, I can't remember the name of the message, but if, if I remember first before the service ends out, I'll tell you, it was a good one. Um, Romans 12 verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember, spiritual exercise. Be awakened. Keep tying that. That's what I'm trying to tie. Keep remembering that spiritual exercise is anything that awakens you to who you are, is what I mean. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Brethren, and my scholastic colleagues, 
How many of you know scholarship is part of our values in so you are my I need to sound like a scholar. Bridgen and my scholar, scholaristic, scholaristic colleagues. I put it to you this morning. I put it to you. That the only way to verify and to prove the perfect will of God is to actually transform your life and live it. That's the truth of the matter. That's the way to prove it. It's, I read it in the scripture. How will you know that God's will for you is good and is perfect? If you've not transformed your mind and you're not living it. Don't take what the devil is telling you God's will for you is true liars. Check it for yourself. Because if you listen to what the world is saying about the will of God for you, you will, get, you will just find yourself inside those beings. Should we test it? When you start taking what the world defines God as and what the world believes God, you will hear some weird-ass things. Like the one I heard about Mary. Ah, let me even say it. So I, don't, I don't even want to use my platform to even for one second. But the world says funny things. And everything they are saying, they are preaching a message. I hope you know that they are also preaching a message about God. And you just be consuming it. Be consuming this. Don't even be conformed to this world. You need to transform yourself. That's the way you will know. And that's the way you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And that you will be able to test and approve that God's will for you is good and perfect. See, let me just tell you now. Because that's what we are doing with our life. While we are testing God's will for you is good and perfect. Even when bad things happen. Even when undesirable things happen to you. I need you to understand something. That God's will for you is good and is perfect. Perfect. Just take it. God's will for you is actually good and is perfect. See, you're going to understand this the more you are being transformed. That's what the scripture is trying to tell you. That's when you'll be able to prove. That's when you'll be able to test and know your life. You would have lived from your life. And by the time you understand the scripture from God's word, you'll be able to see things from God's perspective. And then you realize that there was no other way this thing could have happened. God's will for me is perfect. Do you understand? So that's why it's important so that you don't interpret the things that are going on in your life by the lens that other people are giving you. You are interpreting it by the lens of God's word. That's why it's very important to stay in the word. Do you understand? Okay. Um, yikes. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. I may need to jump some things. Or I, might, I might just do a hard stop. Let's see how it goes. Can somebody else open... Um, 1 Peter 4.10. And I love, this, I love this particular one. Another reason why you should actually awaken yourself. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Is anybody there? And that person, 1 Peter 4, 10. Who is in 1 Corinthians 12, 7? But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with, with all. 1 Peter 4, 10. Thank you for knowing. What, what, what version did you read from this time around? It's, it's no message now. Right? So uh, let me now read um, Romans 12 from verse 3. And this one, as I'm, as I'm reading it, pull your ear. 
Everybody pull your ear, because this one is instruction. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. But just as each, of, each one of you has a body with many members, with many parts, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Put your ear. See, I belong to you. Look at me. See, I belong to you. And you belong to me. Pull it. Say it. I belong to you. Ibuku, say it to me. I belong to you. And you belong to me. Don't be proud. Mm-hmm. It's not me that said that. What's the first thing I said? Do not think of yourself high, more, of yourself more highly than you ought to. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment. Don't be proud. You belong to me. As a Christian, let me just tell you, you are my own. And as a Christian, I'm your own. So that's another reason why it's important. It's biblical instruction. Stop being stubborn. It's biblical instruction that as Christians, just the way your body has different parts. The finger cannot say, I've gotten born again, and then he wants to go rogue. I don't do church. I don't do anything. I don't. Ah, ah, finger, what happened? Then the stomach too will say, since you're not coming, I will not give you. When I enter there's food, I will not distribute your own portion to you. And it doesn't happen. As believers, another reason why it's important to take all these things seriously is because we belong to each other. Do you understand that? We belong to each other. There's something in you. And let me tell you something. This, was, this is just the wisdom of Jesus. Right? So Jesus died for our sins. And let's say, let's travel back 2,000 years ago. Over 2,000 years ago. He's died, he's been raised, and he's um, ascended, right? And he's like, okay, now that I've done what I want to do, I've given these people the Holy Spirit as well, who's going to be their comforter. But I also need to put some kind of structure in place to help them. According to Ephesians 4, we see what's the plan that Jesus himself had. And I know that you people know that you're not smarter than Jesus, right? You know. Abi, you're not sure. You know that. Let's go to Ephesians 4 so that you see with your own eyes what I'm talking about. So from in John, I think, uh, 16, 17, we see his first plan, which is that he's going to give us the Holy Spirit, which is that we're going to get born again. And if, in Ephesians 4, we, are also, we also see the second part of his plan. Ephesians 4, let's start reading from... Uh, from verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and, te- and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That was Jesus' own organizational design. Permit me to talk like a HR consultant. That was his own organizational design on how he planned to do things. He said, when, when, after these people have gotten born again, I'm going to give them, I'm going to come up with something called the church. Yes, everybody has the Holy Spirit, but I'm particular. I am the head of the church, and I'm going to come up with something called the church. And in this church, the way I'm going to do it is these people are going to belong to one another. And they're going to do it, and within belonging to one another, I'm going to also give them gifts so that they can supply one another. The reason why I didn't read this particular scripture first is, 
I didn't want you thinking, oh, okay, so he has the pastors that will supply to us. You see the one that I read? Which one? First, first Corinthians? No. You read um, Romans 12, sorry. Right, Romans 12. You can see that he said, it's each other. You belong to one another. Right, that's why I'm reading this one last, because I know people can now start thinking that, no, it's only pastors and evangelists that are supposed to supply to the body. It's what scripture said. So as a Christian, as someone who believes, and I am not in any way doubting that there are some people who have actually gone through church hurt. That's a big thing. There are people who church has, man, I can't, I'm not even going to bother giving excuses for, for what some people have gone through. But from the Bible, we see that this was actually the plan of Jesus for how you were going to be built up and how you were going to build me up. This was actually the plan of Jesus of how we're all going to supply to one another. So that is why amongst the different things we do to awaken, our spirit, as, uh, to awaken ourselves spiritually, coming to church is actually important. And it's not just for ticking. It's because, let me not even say coming to church, belonging to a church is important because this was the plan that Jesus had. There is no other plan again for believers after they get saved. All this, I'm a Christian in my heart. I'm, I don't have to go to church. I'm, I've checked the Bible. Have you seen, sir? I've not seen the plan for people like that. Such that even if you find yourself in a place where you're the only believer, to show you how important it is, should I tell you the next thing to do? Go and find brothers and sisters. Go and preach so that you will not be alone there. Because that is the plan that Jesus had. You are members of one body. And just the same way one member does not go wrong, uh, go rogue. One, let me not even use member. You are members, they are, they, are, they are like parts of a body. And just the same way one part doesn't go rogue, unless the, the head of the part is not correct. That means the part is sick. It's, it's not normal, right? So in the same way, we all belong to each other. So look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor you belong to me. Look at your neighbor. Give it attitude. Tell your neighbor you belong to me, oh. Oh, you belong to me. And I tell your neighbor, I belong to you. Tell your neighbor too, I belong to you. And I belong to you. Uh-huh. I, don't mean, I don't mean it as love song, because some people in this side, they are looking at each other. I belong to you. <laughs> right? So we belong to each other. And you exercising spiritually is going to benefit me. And I exercising spiritually is going to benefit you. So that's another reason why to do, to, to do these things. Okay? Let me run, because I don't know how it's 1033. So I don't know. I don't even know. This one, eh, I'm going to jump it. We'll talk about it maybe um, in Bible study. Um, now, let me just jump to the last one, because I think these ones are some other heavy ones. I know it will take time, right? And this last one is the, another reason, just like I had started explaining when I was trying to define identity, it's how you were wired. It's how you were wired. Let me give an example. This is a keyboard, and the engineer that built this keyboard wired it in such a way that it brings out sounds, and do you understand? That's how the keyboard was wired. Imagine now if you now come to this keyboard and you look at the keyboard. This is an example. Piece of my and you look at this keyboard, and um, we have turned it to chopping board. We use it to be chopping at Arudo. And that's what we are doing with the keyboard. Beautiful keyboard like this. That's what we are doing. 
Was that what the keyboard was wired for? The same way as believers, what we are wired to do is to live by every word that proceeds of the mouth, from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4. That's what you were wired to do. There is no other, and again, I'm, I'm very particular. Don't let outsiders tell you what you are supposed to do and believe as a believer. Let the Bible tell you. And one of the things you were wired to do was you were, you were wired to live in fellowship with God. That's how you were wired. So when you see something that was wired to behave in a certain way and is beginning to behave anti-purpose, even that thing will be frustrated. So let's say this keyboard knows. Now let's give, let me give this keyboard, let me sprinkle small consciousness on it. And this keyboard knows what it is. It knows that I'm supposed to be giving some kind of beautiful melody. And it's at a road that they are using me to cut every day. How do, how do you think the keyboard will feel? There's a lot of frustration that we are going through as believers because we are not doing what we are wired to do. We're wired to fellowship with God. We're wired to commune with God. Whether you like this one or not, you were also wired to commune with other believers. I don't know why I'm hampering on this point because maybe someone here, church has really hurt you and you're like, ah, this church that I'm even coming to that you perceive me like this more, just even be thanking God because I'm not... Please, I'm sorry on behalf of whoever hurt you. And, I, and I'm not saying this jokingly. But the truth of the matter is you were wired as believers to commune, commune with one another. That's how Jesus designed it. That's how Jesus designed it. So even if it's not here, make sure you find a church you can belong to. It's very important. You were wired to pray. It's your makeup. You were wired to pray. You were wired to find out who you are by studying God's word. Hallelujah. So now that we know all the things that we are supposed to do and why we're supposed to do it, I'm just going to run through very quickly how I think we can do this. And this is where I want to act Avengers. Are you with me now? Ephesians 4. Ephesians 6, sorry. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 from verse 14, right? Stand firm then. <clears throat> this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do it. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate, breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith by which you, by which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Avengers, time to wear clothes. This is how you are going to do it. First, you are going to tie your waist. What did he say you should tie your waist with? Truth. As believers, if you want to know how to value spiritual things, you need to surround yourself with truth always. Online and offline. Surround yourself with the truth always. The father of lies, the devil, is not even in any way nonchalant about throwing lies at you all the time. So as believers, you need to surround yourself with truth. And let's get a little practical. How do I surround myself with truth as believers? A good way, a good way I'll tell you is, again, as I said, Jesus is not your mate. When he was designing what he was designing, he knew why he was doing it. 
church. And going to church now, not to tick boxes. Thank God we know that in this church, I've said it before, nobody here is going to flog you if you don't come to church. We are not doing, um, ah, let me, let me start calling churches now. Have you been to church where you sign booklets before? We're not doing that one here. We don't do that here. That's not why I'm saying. But you need to go to church as often as you can because you take that as an active way to surround yourself with truth. Do you understand? That's offline. Online, because whether we like it now, we are living physically, we are living in the metaverse, and we are living in our mind. So in those three places, you need to surround yourself with truth. Physically surround yourself with truth. The best way I can tell you, I, I won't even tell you, oh, what, are people thinking that I'll tell you to put your Bible under your head? Like, put it under your head. You just be telling mm, that's not what I mean. A good way to physically surround yourself with truth is to come to church, have a community, have friends who are Christians. See, even if you don't like my face and the way I used to talk, you like uh, Antifine or Pimach or Joju or Ibuku, surround yourself with Christian friends. It's important. Don't let me even go there. So offline, like physically, those are good ways to surround yourself, okay? And you can think of other ways, but I need you to think of what works for you and be deliberate. Just think about it. And again, trust me on it. Remember we said that all our lives, we are going to keep proving that the will of God is perfect, right? So it's going to happen that in some years, you are going to realize how important the exercises that you are doing now were in proving the will of God for you. So let's take this one from the scripture. Put, you say belt of truth, Abby. So that's round. You need to surround yourself with truth. Or, um, offline, surround yourself with truth. Come to church, get Christian friends. Online, <clears throat> surround yourself with truth. Yeah? If you, if you absolutely are on Twitter and on Instagram all the time. And as I'm talking to you, I'm talking to me too. So don't think I'm judging you. I'm judging me, I swear. Try and surround yourself with what? With truth. Be very, very careful about what you consume. Be very, very careful about what you consume. Surround yourself with truth, always. And then also in your mind. Like I said, we live in our minds. Some people live more in their minds than others. There are people, I don't know what's the phrase for them. Um, they think a lot. I can't remember the name. They shall think a lot. There are people like that. Yeah? Magic. <laughs> they think a lot. Like there are people like that. They will just sit down. They go out. They are not going out. They will just sit down, lie down, just be thinking. So they are living where? In their mind. Even in your mind. Let me tell you now. Your mind doesn't need to dictate what is playing for you. You can tell your mind to think on whatsoever is true, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely. You can actually tell your mind to think on, on things that are good. And when you find your mind going away to the worst case scenario, to just be thinking of bad things, or be, just be thinking of love, love, love all the time, you can bring your mind back and tell you, guy, focus. Ah, now every time, love, 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 love. Think of good things. So you can actually tell your mind what to think about. Surround your mind with truth as well. Okay? The second one, your breastplate. What the breastplate does is, is the chest. So this higher man now. The chest, the breastplate of right, righteousness. Right? You need to always know that you are a believer. And what the breastplate is going to do is, the way I put it is, remember I said that what the devil is both subtly and actively attacking you with is sin, things that will cause you to sin so that it will send you away from God. That consciousness of your righteousness is going to protect you from that. And it's very important. 
So that's why it's called the breastplate of righteousness. And the major, what does the breastplate do? The breastplate protects the most important organ in the body, which is what? The heart. So that consciousness of righteousness is going to protect your heart. Okay? Then he now says that you should have your feet to be ready with the preparation to preach the gospel of Christ. I think the first person I saw who said this was um, Pastor Irene, where he said that preaching is a sign of a healthy believer. And I think so too. Preaching, sharing the gospel of, yourself, of, of peace, is actually the sign of a healthy believer. So when he says your feet showed with the preparation of the gospel of peace, what that means is there's some kind of readiness to go. Your leg, your, you know, just like when you say, Daddy, can I follow you? You say, go and bring your words. Go wear your shoe. Your shoe must always be tied. And what that shoe that you're tying is a shoe that is always ready to preach the gospel of peace. Okay? Then he now says, your shield of faith is your Captain America shield. In fact, this one, I don't want Captain America shield. I want the one that is like gloves. You now press something. It will now come like this. Ah, oh, you put this to watch film. In, um, what was the last one they did? Endgame. Was it Endgame? Infinity War. When they came for Iron Man and he just did like this. And then the shield now came up like this. That's how your faith is. Your belief in God is what is going to guard you from the fairy darts of the wicked one. The wicked one is going to keep telling you, God is not real. What you believe is false. Christianity is wrong. What you are doing is wrong. You, will, you, are going to you know what faith is? Faith is really your belief in God. You know that. So when you believe in God, you will just take it like this and guide yourself like this. Bam. As they are, it's, it's saying it's quenching it. So as the thing is coming, the thing will just be doing, psh, psh, ah, I wish I had small camera here. Small, you will just see how the thing will just be quenching. All the darts that the evil one is your faith. Your belief in God. That's why you must never joke with things that stir up your faith. With things that encourage your faith. Because what those things do is that they are going to protect you. The world is not going to stop aiming at you. Don't think it's going to stop. It will not stop. Maybe the best thing that happens is that you keep building your faith to the point where it has become force field. Don't even let me start going into it. But the shield of faith quenches the fairy darts of the wicked. You believing that God is a rewarder. You believing that there's actually a God and that this God saved me is what is going to quench all those things that come at you. And those things will never stop coming. So don't joke with it. Amen? And you now carry salvation on your head. See, I carry salvation on my head. And then you now carry the word of God as your counterattack, as your sword. So when they come and they give you, God is not real. Christianity started in, uh, what's that one that they say now? Uh, Christianity started here. God is a figment of your imagination. God is a she. God is a this. And you are using your faith to quench it. You now take the word as your counterattack and say in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You can't just be quenching things. You also have to be actively. Do you understand? And now, so as a roundup, <clears throat> for each person, right, and I say this because it's something that I've also um, struggled with. Trying to, when we think of spiritual things, spiritual exercises, praying, reading your Bible, and things like that, right? 
a good one that I've told you is make sure you, you belong to a church, a Bible-believing church that preaches God's word. But now when you talk about yourself and um, your day-to-day -day life, because the, the solution to the brutal um, power that is reality, remember we spoke about reality and how it has the power to wear things out, all your spiritual encounters and exercises. The solution to that is to also be consistent. Read your Bible, pray every day. That's the way to solve that particular problem. Are you going to have spirit, um, spiritual encounters that make you feel, that stir up you or stir you up or miracles? Or, yes, you have those type of things. But almost as important, if not more important, is also that you have that consistency, consistency in Christ. Let your reality now be a reality that is one that is walking in the spirit. Do you understand? So that that is the reality that is building up your faith as against having a reality that is everything else but walking in the spirit. And the way to do that is to consistently read your Bible and pray every day. Now, the thing is, this issue of reading your Bible and praying every day, in a world like this, Lagos, that by 4 a.m., you're inside traffic, and by 10 p.m., you're back, and that's Monday to Friday, and before you know it, and that most of the time, all that is in your head, all you're thinking about is deadlines and the um, email you need to. How do you do it? To be honest, the best way for you to know how to do it, or let me, what I recommend for you is through the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that will help you. It's the Holy Spirit that will guide you. It's the Holy Spirit, that's what he's there for. He's your comforter. It's the Holy Spirit that will tell you the best way to do your own. Just make sure that it's biblical. Because Holy Spirit cannot tell you that you should only pray once a year, December 31st. That's when you should be praying. No. It's the Holy Spirit that will lead you and that will guide you. Amen? So you need to go to God and find out what works for you. Let me, let me show you some examples. And this is, we're going to end in um, Psalms because I love Psalms a lot. Where are you? Good. Psalm 42, verse 8. Okay, let someone open Psalm 42, verse 8. Let somebody else open Psalm 77, verse 6. And let someone else open Psalm 16. Is anybody in Psalm 42, verse 8? Yes, please. So that's one. He said in the daytime and in the nighttime. Another person, Psalm 77, verse 6. I call to remembrance my song in the night. This is David. Like David was such a worshiper. And he was telling you, the first one we read, he was talking of the daytime. Now he's talking about the nighttime. So I'm not going to hear and tell you that the only time as a believer to pray. It's in the morning. No. I'm not going to do that. Like I said, you're going to prayerfully know what works for you. Now that you know that it's important that you do this thing, now that you know that it's important that you keep awakening yourself to all of all these things, how, the exact how you're going to do it is going to be different from person to person. He, David, in, in Psalm 77 verse 6, said he just, I, when I read that scripture, I could just picture him lying down. He said he calls to remembrance in the nighttime. Just what he was doing was meditating, really. So he just laid down and started meditating. That's what works for him. The first scripture, he said daytime. Psalm 16, verse 7. 
We're going to be reading this entire psalm, but let me go to Psalm 7. I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night. My heart instructs me. So here again, he's saying it's at night that he does it. So I'm not going to come here and tell you that, okay, it's only one time of the day that you must pray. If you don't wake up at 3 a.m., no. You do what works for you. But the most important thing is um, you get to God. You have your heart postured to God in such a way that you know what you want. And then the Holy Spirit will tell you what will work for you. Okay? So yeah, I want to read this Psalm 16 because like I said, I, I love Psalms. And one of the reasons why I like Psalms is it puts me in the mind of someone that I know who is working with God. It kind of, it, it's like a projector. It's a projector to how his heart is. And the reason why I'm reading this particular Psalms is as a believer, remember that your identity is not just what you say, oh, I'm a believer. It's also in what you do. One beautiful thing about David was that his heart was always postured for God. See, that's how you're going to survive it. That's, that's how you're working in the spirit. His heart had a posture that was per, always, like, if I were to picture it, permanently looking up to God. Psalm 16. It says, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, there are noble ones in whom is all my deliverance. All my delights, those who run after other gods, will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines are falling for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This particular psalm kind of just summarizes everything that I've said today. He went from telling you how he will seek God and how, how God will reward him. And he tells you what happens to the wicked and how they will suffer, all of that. And then he goes back to keep telling you that he will continue delighting in God. And he tells you the reward of him delighting in God. God will counsel him in the night. And that's why I love this particular psalm. It kind of summarizes everything that I'm saying. As a believer, it's important that your heart is postured to God in this particular way. And in all the crazy busyness of everything, you are mindful. You are mindful that the devil is not being ignorant in his devices. This, they are deliberate attempt to keep you away from, from God. And that you must be secure in God. And the, and, and, and the most beautiful thing in all of this is that Jesus is just as invested in having you and your life be a certain way as you are. That's one thing you need to understand. That's why you have the Allos Paracletos. That's why you have the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus is actually invested in it. He knows that that's what you need. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit. So I don't need anybody um, beating themselves up or anything, right? Now that we know what we need to be doing, you just need to rest on the Holy Spirit and keep doing it, okay? Keep doing it. Talk to God. Find out what works for you. Is it nighttime? 
or is it daytime, right? But have your heart posture to God always. Have your heart posture to God always. If you want to know how to um, read the scriptures, don't, I don't know, I'm not going to tell you, I've heard so many different examples, but be led by the Spirit. Just start, open John and start from John. Open Ephesians and start from Ephesians. Well, another good way to do it is every time you go through, um, when you come to church and you've written down some scriptures, go back to those scriptures. Just start from there. But you need to be very mindful that all these things are very important for you as a believer. Okay? Hallelujah. Can we take the next two minutes to just pray for ourselves? Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.